Hey, dear listener, Anthony here. Before we hop into the show, I wanted to let you know about an incredible new resource we just released, The Five Rules of Investing. Dan and I are huge advocates of modeling the behaviors of the people who have done what you hope to do. And who better to model when it comes to investing than legendary investors like Warren Buffett, Howard Marks, and Ray Dalio? This free ebook breaks down the simple time-tested strategies of billionaire real estate investors that you can use to take your investing to the next level. So head over to InvictusMultifamily.com and grab your ebook today. All right, now let's hop into the show. Podcast. Dan, hmm. did you know that we live in one of the moistest metropolitan areas in all of the country? I do now. And I think half of our listeners just turned this off. 100%. Because of your word choice. The we terrible apologize, word choice. But it's going to keep happening. It is interesting. Like, some people do have a very strong visceral reaction to the word moist. Mm-hmm. I'm one of them. I giggle. <laughs> it doesn't gross me out, but some people are like, ah. But it makes me giggle. <laughs> it, may, it makes me feel weird. If I'm like at like a, a dinner or something and there's cake served and there's always like some like kind of older mom or something. Ah, that the doesn't best way understand. to define a cake is moist. It's a really mm. good thing to say because it's a it's a compliment. But like old people don't get it. It's weird. But like mm. I feel really uncomfortable. I don't know why. 100 percent. Yeah. Just, just tell wanna, me. Just tell me the cake was juicy. Mm, you got some juicy cake. That's a juicy cake. Yeah, juicy is for like meat, right? Juicy is a weird one too. I don't get weirded out, but it doesn't feel right for cake. There was a psychological study that shows like how men and women react to different words. And two of the words that they used was to say, which makes you, uh, which word do you dislike more? Moist versus used. Men tended to dislike the word moist Mm. more like at a very high rate more than women and women dislike the word used much more than men hmm. um they, they had some like explanations of why they thought that was but i always thought that was really peculiar yeah i thought it was unanimous everybody hated moist i so. think everybody does it's just that men really really hate it <laughs> yeah, so anyway <laughs> let's, let's talk, just keep saying it let's let's explain why minneapolis is one of the moistest metros in the city in the country no it's not that we have like a lot of rain well, we do snow a lot, but it's not that. Dan, wh- why are we so moist? Well, I, I guess it's it's uh, an assumption we made because we just found out that we were, uh, what was it, the 10th most absorbed market, which implies there must have been moisture to wow, absorb. A lot of absorption. <laughs> Anyways, we'll get rid of the moist thing. Uh, we had the 10th best absorption in the country. In Q3 2022, or, boom. Yeah, very specific point in time. For, for Q3 2022, we had the 10th best absorption out of any market, which means uh, new construction that's coming online when those units are leased, they are absorbed into the market. They're producing revenue and they, they're absorbed. So absorption Absorption is a really good num- um, metric that people look to to see how strong is a market in terms of its supply demand. If you, if you, if you don't have strong absorption, it might mean that you're overbuilding and you don't maybe have enough demand for it. Yeah, the extreme example would be like uh, China, where they build completely oh vacant cities. Like that would be zero absorption. That's bad absorption. Yeah, that's yep. just like building for the sake of building. And and what's so. interesting about absorption is typically you would think, okay, this is going to be in like the really really hot cities. Mm-hmm. I think Houston maybe was on there. 
um, maybe Nashville too. So like some, there's a lot of like Southern um, Sunbelt cities in there that you would expect because high population growth, typically the builder is going to go and they're going to build a lot and usually, Mm -hmm. you know, they're going to fill it up. Um, So it might come as a surprise then that like Minneapolis, um, I believe, was it Madison? There was another Wisconsin. There was I didn't Wisconsin. See the rest of the list. I'm just looking. And up. Omaha. So okay. three Midwest cities. Yeah. Boom. Uh, I think Omaha is number three on the list. Minneapolis is number ten. So it might surprise people because you might not think of these markets as like high growth. And so you're like, wait, why? Why is there such high absorption going on? Mm-hmm. Which kind of tied into like another thing I wanted to talk about today with Minneapolis in particular is that the reason I think that we have such high absorption is we're we're one of the most supply constrained cities in the country. Yeah. Yeah, and that's, I mean, that's a good thing for uh, people who own properties. Because it just means, yeah, it means that there's less coming online, less competition. Um, And it's also outside of our little, you know, pocket here, you know, why does absorption matter? It's it's one of the earlier uh, signals that there could be a, 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 a change in the market. Meaning if you're building a bunch of stuff and it's getting absorbed super quick, one of the first things you're going to see change before some sort of downturn is the absorption is going to slow down. And then you're going to enter into the territory of um, oversupplied where you start to see rental prices come down and all the prices start to come down. So high absorption is great, but you want to keep an eye on it because as soon as it starts to be less great, that it could be an early sign that there's a, a turn coming. Mm-hmm. Yeah, something else to, to, to think about here when you're looking at these reports, because this one came from Bercadia and you got a, an article here from Finance and Commerce where mm-hmm. they talk about this, too. Um, I'm sure they're citing. I think it's probably all coming from that one Bercadia. Probably. Guys, but they didn't give the other. Um, top 10 in this, they're just talking about Minneapolis or, or uh, mm. our metro. Yeah. Another thing to think about though, is as you're looking at all these different reports, sometimes you're going to get some conflicting information and you have to kind of, you have to figure out how to rationalize it. So what I mean by this is there was a, there was one of those groups, Marcus and Millichap or IRR, something like that. This came out a couple months ago and you know how they have like this dial where they'll show like all these major metropolitan cities and they'll say like this one's in hyper supply and hyper inflation or this one's in kind of like a... Yeah, I think it's IRR that has that one, that one? That yeah, circle. Yeah. yeah, so usually Minneapolis and Twin Cities are sitting in the kind of like um, like way under um, supplied side of things. Mm-hmm. And the most recent one, they had us as being right on the cusp of being oversupplied. And I was like, well, that doesn't make any sense. So mm-hmm. sometimes you see the, the, some things where you're like, I don't quite understand where that data came from because um, it would fly in the face of this and fly in the face of what we see boots on the ground here. But um, I wonder when that was from though. That was a couple months ago. But was it from like last year? Oh, like, I don't know. Cause I think IRR comes out, uh, you know, kind of like mid year and it's always looking at like the prior year. So it might've been be. looking like a year in the past, which I know. A lot yeah, could that's, that's yeah. still surprising though. Cause in 2022, 2021, uh, I mean, nothing's fundamentally changed in the Twin Cities. No. All, all I have to say is that, like, you look at these reports, and it's good to keep a finger on the pulse, but always just remember that, like, these are just snapshots in time. Yeah. And well, so. I mean, part of the reason, like, uh, the point you made earlier about the rent control thing, like, that's something that's been happening for about the last year and a half in our area, and that's turned off a lot of uh, developers and, and builders because, at least in St. Paul, when that initially got passed, it included new development. So there becomes no incentive to deliver new units. That's which that's a really good point, actually. Yeah, yeah St. Paul, um, I think we were talking about this off the air, so listeners might be a little bit confused. But if you don't know that, one of, our, one of the cities in the Twin Cities has rent control and went into effect in 2021, and it effectively just shut off the faucet. Um, all developers in the city were like, well, we're just going to stop all building because why would we? Um, so until they get that figured out, we're going to remain very supply constrained, which means 
for us as owners of pre-existing buildings. Cool. Yeah, I mean, it's great <laughs> for us. For I mean, we had, I think they, they had a kick in in May, and then it was back in November. So there was really only a handful of months where it was like fully in effect for 3%. Then they said it was, I can't remember what exactly it is now, it's CPI plus something. Effectively, when somebody moves out of a unit, you can bump the rent, you know, 12, 15% or something, which is, which is great. So it's, it's a, actually a really great situation for us because it's still going to be uh, kind of scaring off a lot of new development, a lot of new l- units coming online. So we've got this extremely fixed supply. Demand has not gone down at all. So all the people that already have properties, um, you know, you're in a really good supply demand situation there where demand is the same slash increasing and supply is pretty well fixed. Mm-hmm. So all this to say is, uh, yeah, we we live in a pretty moist market. We have absorbed as much as we can. We're super saturated. It's damp. It's damp. <laughs> Clammy. Great market to invest in, though. <laughs> Just make sure you bring your, um, what are the boots that people wear? So Galoshes. Feet? Galoshes. I was going to say balaclava, <laughs> and I was like, that's certainly not right. <laughs> so, well, we appreciate we appreciate you guys uh, putting up with our shenanigans. We're, we're recording on a Sunday today, which is a little bit different than our usual, so we're not in our regular flow. We're a little bit we're on the, we, we're bringing the weekend energy. Yeah, I should be on the couch right now. That's where I spend Sundays. Is yeah, what are we doing here in the couch. office? We're putting out. We're putting in the work. That's what this is. So, if you guys enjoyed it, if you appreciated it, do us a favor, leave us a review. If you didn't, if you're like guys, seriously, just next time, don't. Um, Sorry, let us know the, that too. <laughs> Sorry about the word. Usage. Yeah, please forgive us. We'll, we'll probably we probably won't use it in the next one. We'll see you. Hey, thanks for joining us for another episode of Multifamily Investing Made Simple. If you enjoyed the show, could you do us a massive favor? Head over to iTunes and leave a five-star rating and review. Your feedback, it means the world to us as it helps us grow and spread the word about multifamily investing. And don't forget, sharing is caring. So fire this episode over to any friends or family who you think could benefit from learning all about multifamily investing. Thanks, guys. We appreciate every single one of you, and we'll see you on the next show.